Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning, uh, once again, to all our listeners. Uh, we're on lesson number five for January 27th through February 2nd. Uh, those that follow along know that we are always one ahead, one week ahead of the um, the calendar schedule. Uh, our lesson this morning is singing the Lord's song in a strange land, and it kind of deals with that age-old question: Why do bad things happen to good people? Which is, um, I know I've dealt with in my own personal life, and as an elder, we get asked this yeah. question <laughs> all the time. You know, it's it's one of the most common things that we deal with. Um, so without any more further ado, our memory text for this morning is found in Psalm 137, verse 4, and it asks that very question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And uh, let's bow our heads in prayer before we get into our discussion for this morning. Heavenly Father, as always, we come to you with humility, but also with a grateful heart. Lord, we ask that as we delve into this lesson, this question, Lord, we pray that, as always, the Holy Spirit will facilitate, open our minds and hearts, uh, bless our words, that we may be uh, a blessing in, in an impactful way to those that are listening. And Lord, as we go through this lesson, may we see that even though sometimes it seems that uh, your presence is not there, that you are, are always working behind the scenes and that you are a God at hand, not, not afar off, that you are always present in the midst of your people. Lord, we pray once again for your leadership. Give us that understanding and discernment that comes from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to take a look at the first part of this lesson. Uh, this is the Sabbath lesson. on it. And it says... We do not need to get deep into the book of Psalms in order to discover that the Psalms are uttered in an imperfect world, one of sin, evil, suffering, and death. The stable creation run by the sovereign Lord and his righteous laws is constantly threatened by evil. As sin corrupts the world more and more, the earth has increasingly become a strange land to God's people. This reality creates a problem for the psalmist. How does one live a life of faith in a strange land? As we have already seen, the psalmist acknowledges God's sovereign rule and power, as well as his righteous judgments. They know that God is the everlasting and never-failing refuge and help in times of trouble. For this reason, the psalmists are at times perplexed, who isn't, by the apparent absence of God and the flourishing of evil in the face of the, of the good and sovereign Lord. The paradoxical nature of the psalms' prayers is demonstrated in the psalmist's response to God's seeming silence. In other words, the psalmist respond to God's perceived absence as well as to God's presence. Now, I've felt that way at times, you know, where it seems like, you know, what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to say is falling on deaf ears. You know, nobody's out there listening. And, you know, this is actually something that I know a lot of atheists have used against Christians. is saying, well, you can pray, 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 and pray nothing happens, doesn't that prove that God does not exist? But what I've come to learn is God does things the way God 
wants to do them. We can't force God to do anything. We can't make God give us every answer to every prayer. Sometimes the unanswered prayers is God answering, right? <laughs> you know, exactly what we need of. Cause at times we may not be putting the right stuff forward in prayer that we might not actually be praying for the things we need to pray for. And God in the silence is telling us, reevaluate what you're wanting and what you're looking for. Because God does answer prayers. Just it's sometimes just, it's no. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's not the way you want it to go. Right. You know, but he does answer. He does acknowledge. And it does, you know, feel at times like you're by yourself, you know. And I, I think it's the best way is I've heard someone describe it as being alone in a room full of people. Mm-hmm. being Being by yourself at a party, for instance, you know. Yeah, you're surrounded by people, but you feel isolated from everything around you. And when we go through this lesson, you know, we're going to see that this is how a lot of the Israelites felt at the time. You know, that so many bad things were happening. You know, there was war. There was, uh, you know, Hebrews that were being enslaved. There was people going through pain and suffering. Plagues were happening. It's just so much chaos was going around that, uh, a lot of the Israelites were like, why is God letting all of this happen? Why is God letting, you know, our enemies defeat us and take us out of the picture? You know, why is God doing this? And we're going to see in this lesson what all of these questions and these concerns that the Israelites had and what we have today, you know, how they were being answered and how the psalmist was putting that in prayer and lifting it up to God and to get an answer. And we're going to see that, you know, God does answer. And as you said, sometimes the answer is no. Right. Well, I think uh, one of the base roots of that, the problem with that question, and I'm, I've been there just as much as, as anybody else, is we ask God, why are you doing this? And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, the book of Job is there for us, that just because God may allow something to happen does not mean that that's what, uh, I mean, he has a will for it, and there was a lesson for Job and for us down the ages. But God is fair, and in order for us to make a decision, choose you this day whom you will serve, God wants to fully reveal himself, but he has to allow Satan to fully reveal himself also. Yeah. Satan wants to reveal himself and trash talk God, uh, you know, kind of like modern day politicians. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make this guy look bad so you're not really looking at how bad I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but God plays fair. In order for him to be just, he has to allow Satan to fully reveal his hand also. Yeah. And so we have a tendency to blame God for the works of the devil. And I think that's uh, something that we just need to be careful of because we are, and we're in a world that is affected by sin and it is going to affect our lives, period. You know, and we were never promised that it wouldn't. Yeah. We, we, we were promised that, um, God would always be with us through adversity, 
he, I mean, there are plenty of scriptures that, you know, promise, you know, the, that shelter in the time of storm, but, uh, and, and we've seen that through scripture also, you know, with the, uh, the children of Israel being protected from the plagues, you know, um, and, but it wasn't always that way. I mean, sometimes God, when God is truly dividing, you know, and showing us the the rewards for the righteous and the rewards for the wicked, then yes, the righteous are going to be protected. Yeah. But w- when the whole world is being affected by something, it is going to affect our lives. You know, so uh, we just need to be aware that God doesn't necessarily want us to be too comfortable and complacent here. Yeah. You know, we have to remember, you know, that's why we have hymns like I am but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. You know, it, these are, um, uh, ex- experiences that people have had throughout time. Yeah. It's, and you know, I think you made a good point there, you know, about the balance that God has when it comes to answering prayers and to, to handling his, his people. And, you know, we know that the situation between Satan and him is, is a battle, but it's also setting an example to the rest of the universe of God's nature. And, you know, God can, could protect us all completely, keep us safe, all that stuff. But, it doesn't prove the point to the rest of the universe right. when he does that, because at that point people, you know, the rest of the universe is going to be like, well, you're just coddling them. You're, you're, you're keeping them safe. So of course, so that's exactly yeah. what Satan said to God in Job chapter one, you know, well, have you considered my servant Job? Well, of course he's going to worship you. You've put this hedge around him yep. and I can't get to him. You know, take that hedge down and he'll curse you to your face. Yep. And, and God's like, okay, I'm going to, I have enough faith in Job. I'm going to allow, but I'm going to put restriction. You know, you can, you can do anything, but you can't touch him. And then Satan's, well, of course, you know, everybody puts their self-preservation above everything else. So let me touch his body. You know, okay, but you can't kill him. Yep. And, uh and I still find a whole lot of hope in that last verse in Job chapter one says through all this, Job sinned not, neither did he blame God unnecessarily, you know, and, and that shows us that because all through the book of Job, he asked questions, you know, he didn't know why all this was allowed to happen, you know, and so questioning God's motives is not a sin, and we need to, you know, be aware of that too. That we are uh, sentient beings. We are allowed to have questions and doubts and reservations. Mm-hmm. But when God answers, we need to to trust yeah. fully in what God says. Yes, and you know, I want us to go ahead and continue on with this. Right. Let's go ahead and read uh, Psalm seventy four eighteen to twenty two, and then we're going to read seventy nine five through thirteen. I've got the first one. If you want to do yeah. seventy nine. Sounds good. Um, Psalm chapter 74, verse verses 18 through 22, says, Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. 
Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. Have respect unto the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. I like that last verse because that's reminding us that God is just. Mm-hmm. You know, he has an intolerance for injustice. And I believe that that intolerance for injustice is ingrained in us as uh, his creation also. Yes. And continuing on, we're going to go ahead and read uh, 79, 5 through 13. It says, How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, do not remember foreign iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and provide atonement for our sins, for your sake's name, or for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which have been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die and return to our neighbors sevenfold onto their bosom their reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. Yeah. It's a lot, right? It's definitely a lot. But what stands out in here is, you know, I, I, I understand one aspect of this, but the one thing I really caught in this is, you know, here we have the people calling on their God, calling on the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, saying, look, we are struggling, we are dying, we are imprisoned, we are all this. We still lift your name up, though. You know, despite all the hardships we go to, but at the same time, there are those that are calling out to God saying, where are you? Why are you letting this happen? And what's going on is we're seeing here that other nations are saying, where's your God? Where's your God at? Right. If your God is so just and merciful and he's there to be your savior and you know, he's your creator and all this, where is he? See, for me through that whole passage, everything is summed up in verse nine. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 36, several times God says, not for you do I do this, but for my holy name's sake. Because as we've discussed multiple times, and you know is a, a passionate point for me, that this whole great controversy is about vindicating God's character. Mm-hmm. And, and when we look at um, the prayers of Moses, when we look at the prayer of Solomon at the de- dedication of the temple, when we look at, you know, a lot of these people bring that up in their prayer, you know, that, you know, we're, ba- we're, this is our, this is our position, this is our request, and we're asking this because it will be, it will glorify your name, 
before the the non-believers mm-hmm. that this request that we have will vind- will help vindicate your your character not that god doesn't know that but this is prayer is for us not for god's benefit you know yeah the so always remembering that everything should be about casting that ballot for for god's character and and vindicating his character and as as you just said, you know, the wicked are saying, where's your God? And we're saying, we have faith. We know you're there. And we want you to show them that you're there also. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good a testament of the whole situation. is Because at this time, when this was being described, you know, Jerusalem was being destroyed. Right. The temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. You know, they, there was a conflict that was going on and around this time. The Jewish people were enslaved. They were captured or captured during this conflict that, you know, the that Jerusalem was destroyed. So, you know, during this whole hardship, and it's one thing I've I've remember hearing before is like you don't know who you really are until you're tested. Right. And this is that test. You know, God does put us through tests to show us, you know, for one, that we can rely on him, that we can trust in his word that his promises are true but it's also to show us our own strength our own ability to make the make it through things because we're relying on, on him on him right you know it's it's like I, i've seen so many uh or read so many stories i've seen you know you hear about it all the time it's like in desperate times people will take desperate measures right but also at the same time and this is one of the Funnier things, I think we talked about this before, you know, you look at a life and death situation, you have somebody who has faith, who's like, I'm praying, you know, for salvation, I'm praying for protection and all this. And then you have an atheist who's like, the same thing. It's like, well, where's your God? You know, look at what's going on. We're about to die and all this. And this craziest things, sometimes you'll find that atheist getting on their knees and praying to God. Right. <laughs> Even though they have claimed and claimed and claimed, they don't believe. But in this situation, they're willing to put their faith and in the unknown and for us we know what what the truth is we know that there is a god we know that he has a plan and it says right here in that first part it says you know and he points to god's unfathomable forbearance as well to his infinite wisdom and power we recognize that you know as christians we recognize that god is master of all you know we trust in his divine word if if and that's the biggest reason why we pray is to get that wisdom to to gain that that inspiration from him not of our own choosing but of his and i can definitely see the situation here where you have people who have no idea who your god is they just know that you're a a monotheistic uh religion you right. believe in one god you know, whereas a lot of these nations that were attacking had like 12, 13, 14 different gods that all served a specific purpose. Well, look at Hinduism. There's yeah. over a million deities in Hinduism. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny is I actually have a friend um, who is Hindu, and me and him had a conversation uh, about the nature of God. You know, because he was very curious about my beliefs. I was very curious about his beliefs. And we had like a two and a half hour just conversation over dinner um, while we were on our uh, business travel. And we were talking, and it was very interesting to find out that, you know, in Hindu, Hinduism, they, like you said, they have 
tons of different gods, and they choose the one that they like best. Right, basically. or the or the conglomeration. They pick the ones that yeah, and that can change through periods of their life. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's so interesting too because he was like, yeah, no, we we do pray, mm-hmm. we we pray, but we pray to you know to the to this God that we recognize ourselves most closely tied to. Right. And I was like, well, that's very interesting because we kind of do the same thing on our end. You know, we, we kind of, we pray to the God that we're very close to. Right. But it's, it's such a interesting thing because here in, in this whole time frame when this uh, Psalm is being describing the situation and the, the turmoil that was going on, it was truly a test of faith for the, the children of Israel to, to see, do they hold on to God's word or do they fall victim to the world? And I think what we're seeing in this is how strong a person's conviction is when they truly trust in, in God. Exactly. And that takes us, you know, kind of back to the story of Job again, because, you know, there was Satan's accusation, you know, that, uh, if you if you take that hedge away from him, he'll curse you to your face. And we have to remember, you know, because we say it all the time. Other, other people will say it. Well, God knows my heart. And usually they're using that as an excuse for something when they're doing something that they know they shouldn't be doing anyway. They're like, well, God knows I don't really mean this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And the thing is, is yes, God does know your heart, and you need to uh, be aware of that. But that even though God can read our thoughts and God knows what's truly in our heart, there are all the unfallen angels. And if you believe, you know, in other inhabited planets, there's a whole universe of unfallen beings that cannot read our thoughts or look into our hearts the way God can. Mm -hmm. And all of them want to know before this great controversy is at an end. Are these people safe to save and bring to heaven? Because we don't want this sin problem to ever come up again. Yeah. So we have to be tested and tried in the fire. That hedge has to be taken down from time to time. And we have to overcome. So those, so everybody else can say when God seals us, that God is just in sealing us, that Mm -hmm. we have proven that regardless of what happens, that we are not going to, um, we're not going to fail. And they need that reassurance. You know, God wants everybody to take him at his word, but he doesn't, he doesn't expect blind faith. Exactly. And I want to read this last paragraph in that lesson, though, for the days of evil. It says, as today, the same principle existed back then. Our sins are backsliding. Our evils can bring disrepute not only to ourselves, worse on the God whose name we profess. Our wrong actions can have detrimental spiritual effects on our witness and mission as well. And this goes back into our last quarter, uh, the fourth quarter for 2023, when we were talking about mission work. Right. It says, how many people have been turned off to our faith by the actions of those professing the name of Christ? And this is very, very important because as we're seeing in this psalm, there was turmoil, there was destruction, there was suffering, people 
being imprisoned and all this going on. Imagine, you know, somebody who is seeking, who's trying to understand, you know, who God is, and they see you going through all these trials, you know, when you persevere and you make it through, that just builds a stronger example of why this person should follow the God you're following. But when they see you fail. Well, not just fail, but when you sit there and you blame God God. in front of them and you say, you know, look what God's done to me. Look at the things I have to go through. And you're constantly complaining because of these trials and tribulations you have to go through. It does turn people off of, of God. So you're, uh, a few a few sermons ago was you know towards the end of last year that uh, I asked two questions. I said, "Look around the sanctuary at all the empty spots in the pews, and I want you to first ask yourself, what are you doing to fill those empty spots?" But the second question is going to itch a little bit: is what did you do to cause those empty seats? You know, and that's that's a hard question. Yeah, and I am, and that la- that green box there at the bottom says to on- the honor of God and the honor of Christ is involved in the perfection of the character of His people. I, that's a powerful statement. And then that question is, how do you understand the important truth and what it should mean in your own Christian life? That you know, Jesus said. You know, he took the child on his lap and he said, you know, if you offend one of these little ones, it's better that a millstone be cast around your neck and you be dropped to the bottom of the ocean. And that doesn't just mean children, but that means those both young and weak in the faith. That if, if we put them off, if they are on the path of salvation and we put them off of that path because of situations like what you were just describing, you know, and, th- and they leave, God is going to require them at our hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I entrusted this soul to you. What, where are they? Why are they not here? And that's, uh, that's a, a tough question that some of us are going to have to answer when we, when we stand before God, you know, I gave you, this and especially you and I are both elders. You know our position is the spiritual well-being of the congregation. That is mm-hmm. our whole, our that is our whole position, and the um, so and I, I mean there's going to be times where we might say something in ignorance and we're able to through our own personal growth, you know, deal with that later. But if we and we've both mentioned this before when we preach or teach or we're doing the podcast now, if we say something that is contrary and pushes somebody away from this search for God, you know, God is going to hold us responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a, that's a, um, a huge responsibility. And going into the next lesson too, because this ties directly into that conversation, right. you know, at death's door, you know, it, it there's a couple of verses that we can read, you know, 41, uh, Psalms 88, Psalms 102, and there's quite a bit in there. Um, but I want us to take a look at something because the whole premise behind this is dealing with suffering. Right. You know, but not just dealing with suffering, 
but also acknowledging that there is hope, that there is restoration, basically. Um, and this is this is the part that I think a lot of Christians at times struggle with. You know, they only see the suffering part that part that they're going through, and but they miss the blessings that they have around them or that are going on. They just they become tunnel vision, I guess, right. towards just the thing they're going through. And this does reflect back on that last question. And it's like, you know, how many people will be turned off with our own complaining? Right. But we're looking here and we're seeing what the psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is suffering. He's, he's on the verge of death. But despite the pain, despite the things he's going through, he's acknowledging the many blessings he has received. And I think this is something that's important for all of us to remember in our lives. And it's something that me and my wife had talked about, you know, as we go through our own trials and stuff, we have a tendency just to focus on the negative. And that's, that's with everybody, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're probably going to focus on the negative. If the negative is constantly happening, Well, put it in a, um, you know me, I like analogies. Yeah. Uh, put it in a, an analogy that almost everybody can relate to going to the gym. Nah. How many people get that mindset of pain and gain and how many, well, this is uncomfortable and I'm going to quit. Nah. You know, the majority are the second group. And, you know, but in order to be in that, uh, going to the gym in order to whether you're trying to gain mass or just be healthy and stay stronger, you're going to have to cause yourself some dif- discomfort yeah. to achieve the benefit that you're searching for either with we, regardless of your goal there, you're going to put yourself in discomfort, but over time you're going to see the benefits. You're not going to see the benefits right away. And you know, especially since we're right around the New Year's season, and one that's usually one of the top New Year's resolutions is I'm going to get in better physical sh- shape. <laughs> and that lasts about 15 minutes once you go to the gym. You're like, well, this is horrible. I'm going to go get some ice cream. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where you go, you know, I, I'm in shape. It's a roundish <laughs> shape, but it, it's a shape nonetheless. Right. But here, this is the reason I bring it up is because I think this is something that you know, we all struggle with it. It's acknowledging that the innocent suffering of God's people is just a fact of life. You know, no matter how hard to understand, the suffering that's occurring is because we fell. Right, that's uh, on that second paragraph, that first sentence. You know, many psalms assume the Lord permitted trouble because of Israel's disobedience. Sometimes that's true, but it's not always as yep. a punishment. And it's just, we we did this to ourselves by, you know, allowing Satan to deceive us. Right. And at, the more we continue to let Satan deceive us, the more pain and suffering we're going to be inflicting upon ourselves. You know, it's, it's like when you tell your child, for instance, don't touch the stove because the stove's hot. What's going to happen typically? The child might touch the stove and realize the stove's hot despite you telling them over and over again, don't do but it. They have to experience it. They have to experience it to understand that stove's hot, you know, and God never wanted this for us. Right. 
But because of the situation that we put ourselves in, there's things we have to learn to get through this life. Well, the, the temptation in the Garden of Eden, you know, everything that God made was perfect and good. Mm-hmm. So was it something in the fruit when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit? Was it something in the fruit that, uh, that caused all this? No. The fruit was perfect and good. Mm-hmm. What it was is God said, I'm, you all, everything here you can eat, but please stay away from this one tree. And it wasn't the fruit that caused the, uh, the sin. It was the rebellion in the heart. Mm-hmm. God has asked me to stay away from this one tree, but I'm going to go do it anyway. It, was the knowledge of good and evil, it could have been any tree. It wasn't one, you know, God could have picked any tree, but it was going against the expressed will of God Mm -hmm. is the sin. You had a rule. And that's, uh, so it was the act of rebellion. And it's true regardless of what rebellion you're going after. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, that was... And that that rebellion is now inherent in all of us. Where it's not original sin. It's not that we're guilty, but we have a proclivity and a propensity, a leaning towards rebellion against God, naturally, mm-hmm. and we have to resist that continuously in order to to overcome it. Uh, and we can't do that on our own because it's on our, our nature. God offers to change our nature, and. So all of this, as we've already talked about, is chipping and chiseling and, you know, molding our characters. You know, uh, my dad's a blacksmith uh, in order to take ore and turn it into metal. You got to heat it, burn all the impurities off, and you want you scrape off the slag, mm-hmm. but then you got to heat it up again, hotter, because it, more impurities are going to come. And oh, then yeah. you have to get it hotter and more. And, you know, I was just, it's funny because I was just talking to Herb um, when he walked in this morning <laughs> about the same thing is uh, because people always tell you, oh, it just makes you stronger, it makes you stronger, it makes you stronger. And I, I told him, you know, I was getting to a point um that's what everybody was telling me. And I'm like, how strong do they expect me to be? I mean, come on, <laughs> give me a break already. Hey, you know, <laughs> Damascus steel. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> no, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you have to be tempered. Right. In order to become hardened and strong enough, you need to be tempered. You need to go through that heating and cooling process. You need to be, you know, and I think it's kind of interesting. You need to be dipped right. in the oil to to fully harden. Right. And it's the same with us, you know, just well, to r- r- back to the blacksmith after all of that is done. And uh, he has a refined product, whether it's a blade, whether it's whatever he's forging, he's, he's heated it and refined it and heated it and refined it and then folded it back on itself and, mm-hmm. and to temper it and make it stronger and layer it. And then, uh, quench it like you you said you know dip to dip it in the oil to harden it then what does he do he inscribes his mark on it yep he seals it 
this is a product that I'm proud of, and I'm going to put my name on it. And that's what God wants to do with us. But we have to make it through all of that, all of that process. And then finally he goes, now I can put my name on this. And I think the blacksmith idea is interesting to use as a con, like a story for it or an imagery, because even at times, you know, even after that quenching, sometimes that, that steel will still break, but what happens? They start over. They start over. They put it back together. They reheat it. They retemper it. They reshape it. And then they do it again. And sometimes it takes two or three tries, but eventually that mark maker's mark goes onto the blade. Right. So yeah, it's, it's the same thing for all of us here. You know, we all go through that tempering phase. We have to go through it in order for us to, for one, be stronger, to be more tempered, but also to, to gain that mark that, you know, the Lord has said, you've gone through trials and tribulations. You've gone through the process to become something that I can be super proud of. Well, I, I like the, the series forged in fire. Because oh, yeah. with my dad's <laughs> because my dad's a blacksmith and I, uh, it's something that I I do enjoy, um, but when somebody when one of these craftsmen, you know, produces a blade in that instance, um, and it goes through the battery of tests that the the judges put it on it, and they look at it and say, "There's no chips, there's no marks, there's no cracks, there's no." Nothing, mm-hmm. this is just as perfect as it was when you handed it to me. And, you know, that sense of pride that that blacksmith feels, you know, that's what God wants. You can bang this against anything, and it's going to be just as perfect when yep. you give it back to me. <laughs> I still think the coconut challenge is always <laughs> interesting because that destroys almost everybody. <laughs> but it's the same thing here with with all of us. You know, it's... It's making us better, right? You know, through the fiery process, and here it's it's the same with what these psalmists are describing through all of these things. You know, they recognize that at times they do feel like God is not there or absent, right? But in reality, what's going on is God is letting you be tempered by the situations you're in to make you stronger, to make you understand truly his wisdom and his glory and how it plays a part of your life and the life of those around you. You know, here in Psalms 102, for instance, uh, I want to read that one real quick. It says, do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call, answer me speedily for my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken with or and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. You know, there's a longing here in this in that psalm. There's a longing in that verse saying, you know, I'm calling out for you. I am still asking for your mercies. I'm still out here asking for you to intervene in my life. Even as this psalmist is experiencing all these things that make him feel like He's missing God. Uh, as you know, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 27. It was it gave me a lot of strength in some of the lowest parts of my life. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 9 in Psalm 27. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, nor put thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. And and to me, that's exactly what the, to this Tuesday's lesson is is all about. You know, mm-hmm. I'm crying to you, and I can't feel you. I feel like you're hidden from me. And God has promised us that you know, we, we will never be alone. Sometimes we may feel it, but he is always there. Yes. And I like how how in this lesson here it calls out because there's several times where this has been called out. You know, Psalms ten twelve, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Psalms 22, 1, my God, my God, why have you forsake me? Which we all have heard before. Right. You know, why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? You know, we went over that a couple of lessons ago, but we also know that Jesus cried that first part out right. when he was on the cross. Psalms 27, which you just read, and then Psalms 39, 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. You know, it's sometimes, you know, it feels like that, that you're going through something and it feels like God is not listening. But we need to remember God is listening. God knows what you're going through. But in that situation, God is letting you see the bigger picture in this, that, you know, he could come down, wipe away all the problems in front of you quickly and then, you know, put you in the best situation you can ever be in your life. He could do that instantly. But sometimes, and then we talked about this in the beginning, sometimes we have to walk these paths to learn something from it, to right. gain something from it that, you know, to the rest of the universe, they're watching God's temperance or watching how he handles his children. Well, I like that last paragraph there on Tuesday's lesson. It says, the occasions of God's silence cause the psalmist to examine themselves and to seek God, but with confession and humble petitions. They know that God will not remain silent forever. The psalms demonstrate that communication with God must go on regardless of life circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that was uh, very eloquently written, but that, that first half of that first sentence the occasions of God's silence cause the psalmist to examine themselves and to seek God. You know, um, instead of throwing all the blame on God, that should be our response. Yeah. So that self-examination. <laughs> no. It's a situation that we're in because we put ourselves in that situation sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, Job did this. Job's, you know, because his friends were all, well, you must have sinned against God for yep. all this time. And he reflected. And he's like, no, I've lived according to God's statutes. So I know that my relationship with God is good. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why this is happening to me. But God, ha- God has a purpose, you know. And I think sometimes, like you said, you know, that allows us to see the big, big picture. You know, sometimes we need to say, oh, okay, 
I know my relationship with God is strong. Even though I may not be able to feel him at the moment, but maybe that is just for this, you know, for me to do some self-reflection and, mm-hmm. and to make sure. Because yeah, sometimes you never know. You know, you may think you're on the right path, but... You might not be. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we... And we've all... There's a there. way that seems right to them, man, but the <laughs> ends of what their way uh, thereof is death. Yep. You know, and God's like, hey, uh, I'm not on that detour that you're on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. Where, where are you going? <laughs> right. We always find out that uh, God is right where we left him. Yep. You know. And I, there's something in here that got called out too that I actually thought was very interesting because you brought that up is, you know, there are times that these psalmists that have written said, you know, these paths that I walk, I feel like I walked alone. And it, it brought back this memory of that poem. Poems, you know, foot, footprints. Yeah, the footprints <laughs> in the sand. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, uh, well, well, what about when there's only one set of footprints? <laughs> those were the times I, I carried, carried you. you. Yeah. Right. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, this was a very beautiful lesson. I mean, there's so much beauty in this that, right. you know, it really... We, it's something that we need to keep in mind when we're going through our struggles, the things that we're dealing with in our life is that we're not alone. We're never alone. God is there with us, under, helping us get through it. It may not him being there solving the problem for us. Sometimes we have to you know, connect the dots ourselves, but he's going to point us in that direction. He's going to help us see that we need to walk a little bit straighter than what we're walking but he's not going to make us walk the path because he wants us to walk that path. He's going to show us the path to walk down. It's up to us to recognize that and go, okay, yes, that's the path I need to walk. Right. I think that takes us perfectly into uh, Wednesday's lesson there in, in Psalm 77. Yeah. You know, that those first six verses, I know we're getting short on time, but I'm going to read those first six verses uh, in Psalm 77. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto uh, God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. That tells us that even though we don't feel it, God is listening, as you mm-hmm. already said. In the day of tr- of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes wa- waking... I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remember my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent speech, or made diligent search. And then it, it goes on you know, into more questions, but when it gets to the end, as always, mm-hmm. it's that reflection back, you know, to say, hey, I've gone through troubles before, and in hindsight, I can see the hand of God leading and working in my life. Yep. And this is going to be no different because, you know, that's the, has his promise failed forevermore. That's the whole point is we can't see the end from the beginning right now. We can, we're, we're selfish by nature and we're focused on the trials that are affecting us right now. So tunnel vision. <laughs> and right. And, but we can look even in our own history and say, I've been through the fire before and God led me and protected me. It affected me, but I was stronger at the outcome. And this is going to be the same. I'm resolving 
to that this situation will now make me stronger mm-hmm. in my faith in God. And yeah, you know, it goes into that very last lesson, Thursday's lesson. Lest the righteous be tempted. In situations, and, and we've seen this throughout this week's lesson, that there are two paths that we can walk. The one, the path, pity party, the pity party, where you know, uh, woe is me, I'm so this that, and, and we that. all walk oh, it. Oh yeah, <laughs> at least from time to time we tend to walk that path. But then there's the other path going. Okay, I am walking through a struggle. I'm going to keep my eyes focused straight on on God. I know He'll get me through this. I may have to, you know, put some bandages on. I may have to, you know, clean up a wound during this process, but I know God is going to get me to the end. You know, it's really comes down to where your faith lies. Are you going to let your faith break down like the walls of Jericho? Or are you going to let your faith stand true and strong and help you walk across the water? When, when I was, Young, I, I've, I've told you about when I lost my brother when I was eight. Um, but before that, one of the lessons that he taught me that helped me through, you know, through my life is that you choose how bad situations affect you. Mm-hmm. Do you choose to be a victim or do you choose to become stronger? And, and it's, um, you know, the, these trials are the same. You know, do you are you choosing to become victimized, or are you tr- choosing? You know, I have scars all over my body from the the battles I've been through, yeah. and our reli- our spiritual life is the same. We're going to have scars, and that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother. Because, and we've discussed this too. You know, as veterans, you know, we can go anywhere and talk to another veteran. Because we have a shared experience. Mm-hmm. Je- Jesus came so he can share that experience with us and tell us, you know, whatever you've been through, I can relate with you. I've been through it. And we can sit there and compare our scars. Yep. You know, <laughs> Jesus is going to sit there and not be ashamed to call us brothers, not because we are divine, we are not, but because Jesus came to make God relatable to anything that we can possibly go through. And I think that is, um, you know, and the, you know, Paul writes, uh, or no, Jesus said that, uh, I think it's in Matthew 24, that, you know, all the, you know, that even if possible, the very elect would, would be tempted. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is through our character building, Sin becomes as repulsive to us as it is to God. Mm-hmm. And when we get to this point and we realize that all this is about vindicating God's character, we're sealed to the point where, you know, regardless of what happens to me, I am not going to fail my God. The sin is not as important to me as my God is. Mm-hmm. And when we get to that point, it says, if possible, the elect would be deceived but it's not possible because they are elect you know and that's uh, you know the the title of this lesson is um you know let lest the righteous be tempted 
I think this lesson this week, it really comes down to do you allow yourself to remain the victim or do you let yourself become the victor through God? Right. Which is what, what my brother taught me. Yeah, it's, and honestly, that is such an important thing, especially today, because everybody wants to be the victim, but nobody wants to show that they are a victor. And it's, but why does everybody want to be the victim? Because they want everybody to feel, far, feel sorry for exactly. them. Exactly. And, you know, even God's like, I don't feel sorry for you. You know, I gave you the gospel armor. Buckle up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Strap up your boots. We're going to get right. into this. <laughs> right. But this has been such a powerful and beautiful lesson this week. I think, you know, what I'm seeing in Psalms is that every week there's something that really ties you as a as a person who's seeking, who's learning and developing in your relationship with God, that you truly aren't alone. Right. You know, we see through all these psalmists that they've gone through the same emotions, the same, the same situations, not necessarily exactly the same as we have today, but they have gone through things that mirror what we are experiencing ourselves and that there is hope and that there is salvation at the end of this. But with that, uh, we want to say thank you for listening. Um, looking forward to having you all listen again for the next lesson. But with that, uh, I'll go ahead and we'll close with a prayer. Okay. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful lesson this week, and we ask that you put a blessing upon those that are listening, guide them, and show them the words and the power that is in those psalms, and to show them that they can trust in you, even in the times where you are silent, that they can put their faith, their love, and their heart in you, and that you will be the one to lead them where they need to go. Lord, be with us as we go about our day, and we ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.